Hi, I'm Grant Dufresne, and welcome to Dufresne Ministries podcast channel. We believe that as you listen to this message, your faith will be stirred and you will be encouraged in whatever you are believing God for today. Stay tuned at the end of this message to find out more information about our ministry. Thank you, thank you. Well, I had in my head something completely planned, and every once in a while, not very often, but well, every once in a while, um, God gives me what I call panavision, and suddenly I see something going across my vision from beginning to end, and then when I'm obedient to it, things begin to move in a different direction. Nancy, would you mind if I'm imposing on you, and I know that, but would you sing You're My Healer? I have a reason for saying it here. Uh, I saw as you were singing it, that literally angels were coming down, bringing in healings and depositing them. Remember how I told you before how there was like tossing and I said, let's play catch? This was different. It's very specific. It's very direct that God is moving in a very specific way. Is in your mind. Some of it is in your thinking. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But some of it, you've been through so much that it will take a supernatural move of God to get you out of that frame. And I call it stuck. Sometimes I get stuck in a frame of mind and only the Holy Spirit can unstick that thing. And I saw Nancy singing it and as she was doing that, God was beginning to unstick some of the frame of mind that you've been in saying, God, I can't get myself past this episode, past this thing, past this event, past this trauma. I want to talk to you today about trauma, which always goes to drama and total recovery. David was pursued and overtaken. And many of us stopped there, but the Bible says David recovered it all. So I want to go from trauma and drama into total recovery. And there are times when that has to be done supernaturally. So if you don't mind, I hope I'm not imposing. I love this woman and love her voice, Hallelujah. but I just want to hear that. Just lift up your hands and God. worship him. You're my healer. You're my healer.
Begin to just receive the peace of the Lord. Some of you have tried and tried and wanted and gotten into prayer and gotten into the Word, and it just seems like you're stuck. Today's the day to get unstuck because God is your heart fixer and your mind regulator. God is fixing broken hearts. He's fixing them physically, emotionally, spiritually. He's touching your mind. You know, they talk about in the military PTSD, trauma is a, a work of the evil devil. And God said, you know what, I can fix that too. I'm a heart fixer and I'm a mind regulator. And so many times if you break your arm, it's easy to see where the break is. But if you break your heart or if your thoughts are broken, it's hard to see. But guess what? God sees everything and he's your heart fixer and your mind regulator. Just receive that today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we can all go home now. <laughs> Thank you. We can be seated. I do have a message. I'll try and talk slower, but it's not going to happen, so deal with it. <laughs> Sorry. 
my daughter texted me and she said, great message, Mom, you went 90 miles an hour. I said, yeah, but we got done early, right? <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, my husband said to remind you of my books. Okay, Overcoming Stress, Read, Pray, and Obey, A Cry for Miracles. Now you've been reminded, so there we have it. <laughs> put on your crown and sit down. In order to put on your crown and sit down, God has to be your heart fixer and your mind regulator. I heard Bill Winston preach that the other day. And bless Richard's heart, he has listened to it maybe 25 times because I turn it on, I've got it going in the house, I've got it because I want that atmosphere in my heart, in my soul, in my spirit. Sometimes we can do all we can do and then God just has to kick in and be our heart fixer and our mind regulator because if it was supernaturally broken by the devil himself, devil, D apostrophe, E-V-I-L means the evil one. And you know that the word God and good, good was never a word. God was only the word. God was good and good was God. D was G-O-O-D, and the devil was D apostrophe E-V-I-L, meaning the evil one. God is totally good. Devil is totally the evil one. And sometimes when the evil one spiritually attacks us so much to where you cannot think, God is our heart fixer and our mind regulator in Jesus' name. Today, I want to talk to you about real estate. Now, we, we got the Monopoly board finally figured that out. I still want to redesign that board. I'm all confused on it. But... The interesting thing about Monopoly, it is about real estate. Did you know that the man, there's lots of different versions of this on the internet, but <clears throat> one of the things I studied about Monopoly is the man's name was Charles Darrow. It was in the early 1920s. He was a man that lost his job. The stock market had crashed, and he had just gotten married, and he wanted to do something for his wife. Instead, he comes home and not say, I got a raise, I got a promotion. He got fired. And so he wanted to do something. He kept saying to her, someday I'll have a million dollars. Someday I'll have a million dollars. Someday I'll have a million dollars. And they were broke and they had nothing and he didn't have a job. So he sat down and he designed a board about real estate, about what he would do if he had money. And the one thing about that board is real estate has a phrase that there are three principles of real estate, location, location and location. So he comes up with the board about location, location, location. Well, he tried to sell it. Nobody wanted it. He redesigned it, put all of his money into redesigning. And he, if I get the story right, he bought his own product off the shelf. So it looked like they were flying off the shelves. He re, very smart. He redesigned it. He went in and he eventually sold it I believe it was Parker Brothers that initially took it, Milton Bradley and then Parker Brothers, and they gave him a million dollars for it. He was the first million-dollar board game designer, and he did exactly what he promised his wife. He was broke, fired, unemployed, the stock market had crashed, the economy was gone, and he made a million dollars. Why? Because he allowed himself to think about location, location, location. Today, I want you to get ready to pack your bags and move location, location, location. I want you to put on your crown and sit down because there's three specific locations God wanted for us in the Bible. Two are not here anymore. And when you think about that, well, it's not this way.
Oh, well, I just got fired. Oh, well, I lost my job. Oh, well, it's a terrible economy. Well, sit down, make a board game, make a million dollars. I mean, in all honesty, if we let our broken heart and broken thoughts rule our lives, we're operating from the outside in instead of the inside out. You just took your crown, you just put it down, and now you're back in the world without your throne. But God said location, location, location. The first one is the Garden of Eden. When God created this earth and he put every living thing in it, he took a few days and then he rested. And then he gave a job to uh, Adam and he said to name everything. You talk about a brain. You talk about creativity. God is a creative God. You're made, you're created, the Bible says, in the imagination of God. So if you are of God, little children, whatever he could do, he wants us to learn to do. Slow down. Put your tape on pause. I know, right? I'm guaranteed tape sales because nobody can listen in 78 when I'm talking. In the, you no, know, you can't listen in 33. None of you go back to the days of records. Oh, you little children in this room. See, there was a 38, a 70, what are they? Se V8, no, that's juice. <laughs> 78 and 33. And then there's V8. At 45. See? I knew there was something in there. Well, I talk in the big one and you're listening in the little one and it's just not going. So bottom line is God has given us a location. We all look back in the garden. Oh, if we were only back in the garden. Well, you're not going to be. Ain't there. Not going to happen. Oh, if I was only back 50 years ago. You know, sometimes our past is so treacherous because it was so bad we never can get past our past. And sometimes it's so good we can't get past our past believing it'll never get any better. Oh, my husband was so wonderful. Oh, this was so perfect. My old job was amazing, but the company closed it. No. The garden was there where Adam named every living thing, but he didn't name it because of the garden. He named it because of God. And the interesting thing is the garden may have been closed for business, but God isn't. The garden may not be there anymore, but God still is. So while he put in the earth everything you'd ever have need of, there was perfect provision, there was perfect food, there was perfect atmosphere, there was perfect everything, but it's not there anymore. So if you're in a location and God says, it's time for you to get up and move because the old one isn't there. I don't mean physically. It may be physically. It may be spiritually. It may be emotionally. Oh, but you had it so good when you lived in such and such. Oh, you had it so good when your children were small or you had it so good when your children were grown. Oh, you had it. You know, I told you it's about that book I used to read my kids. It's about excuses. Old hat, new hat, too beady, too bumpy, too leafy, too lumpy. There's always going to be something wrong with something. And we don't live in the garden. That location in the past is gone. God may resurrect it. Hallelujah. But it's not about what was in the location. It was about what was in Adam. And that was God. And he's still here. The second one was Canaan. It meant a covenant with God. It was a city whose builders and whose builder and maker was God. You may have been in a situation where... I know God put me here. I know that I know that I know that I know beyond any shadow of a doubt, this was my location. You were sitting on your throne, you had on your crown, and somebody knocked you off it. Not everybody, even those who call themselves Christians, are your best friends. 
And sometimes they may take your authority and they may take your anointing and buy your anointing or steal your anointing under the guise that God told them to do it when God no more said that than the proverbial man in the moon. But you're not there anymore. I can never get it back. Somebody done somebody wrong song. You know the country song that said, I didn't know the devil had blue eyes and blue jeans? The devil's not going to come to you with a pitchfork, and he's not going to have that tail. And I'm telling you, sometimes the devil comes to you with blue eyes and blue jeans. Now, my husband has blue eyes, and he has cute little blue jeans, and he is not the devil. But that is not always the case. Sometimes, this is, this is, this is, it's not scripture, but it's a country song, so it's really close. The devil, <laughs> truer words have never been spoken. But sometimes the devil does come to us with blue eyes and blue jeans, and we're taken off guard. Yeah. And before you know it, we're taken off our throne. But he was so cute. Yeah, but your throne's gone. Okay. So you're not in the land of promise, the land flowing with milk and honey. You know, they said in Canaan that the, the grapes were the size of pomegranates, and pomegranates the size of a person's head. Okay, so you're not there. Canaan is gone. And it's not coming back. Now, if God chooses to find a way to resurrect Canaan, so be it. If he doesn't, so be it. Why? Because Canaan is in you. God put you there, not by your great self. He put you there by his spirit. So therefore, if somebody who was the devil acting like the devil or a Christian just manifesting the devil through them or whatever you want to call it, if somebody just messed up and messed you up, it's okay because Canaan is not about the location. Canaan is about the spirit of God that was in the location. So if Canaan's no longer there, it can be in Idaho. It doesn't matter. Wherever you are, that is your Canaan land. That is your promised land. That is the city within you whose builder and maker is God. Now, Seeing the fact that's Old Testament and it's gone, I'll tell you, some of the people in the Old Testament, when they smarted off to Malachi, will a man rob God? But you said, where did we rob God? I, you know, I, I don't want to be Malachi when they walked up there and said that. And like Peter in the boat, what are you smarting off to Jesus for? Your kids, you know, you put them in timeout? Jesus can put you out of the boat in the middle of the... What are you thinking? But... That's Old Testament. They mess it up. They're in land flowing with milk and honey. They mess it up. They have Abraham, the, the father of the faithful. They mess it up. You walk throughout the entire lineage of the Old Testament. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they're, they're three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, and God delivers them. And the king Nebuchadnezzar, who is not serving God, says the fourth one in there looks like the son of God who has not been born yet because we're not even in the New Testament yet. And all this revelation, and they still mess it up. And sometimes you think, goodness sakes. But we went from the garden. We, in fact, the Bible says to be restored to the garden. Why? Because that is not a location physically. That is a location mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And God wants us to think the garden. He wants us to act like we're in the garden. He wants to provide like we're in the garden. I want to go where I don't even have to toil and my tomatoes grow. Oop, there's my tomato. I don't like tomato worms. My grandfather used to make me pick the tomato worms off the tomato and you put them in the can and then you torch the can. Ugh, it's like totally disgusting. But the truth of the matter is we are supposed to be able to work, but it's not toil. I love to work. 
I just don't like to toil. And so we're supposed to have all that provision. So Jesus said, okay, enough's enough. After 400 silent years, all Malachi did was say, return unto God and he'll return unto you. You give 10% and God's going to open you the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing where there's not room enough to receive it. Rebuke the devourer for your sake. All nations call you blessed. You'll be a delightsome land. And they said, no. <laughs> Seriously? Sometimes I wonder why they even wrote it down because those of us who are reading it must think, you were pretty, pretty goofball back then. Jesus said, all right, they're not getting it. God said, I tried to do it in the form of prophets. I tried to do it in the form of people. I tried to do it in the form of prophecy. I tried to do it in the form of the word. Let's send Jesus as the word clothed in flesh and hope they get it with his physical flesh being in the earth. So he comes and we look in the book of Matthew. And now we've had location, location, and those are gone. But then there's location, location, location. And Jesus said very simply, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where? On earth. Equal to how it is now known in heaven. He said, I have an idea. Canaan's gone, and the Garden of Eden's gone. Let's just give them heaven on earth. And guess what? That's not gone. That's still here. And the only reason you're not living in it is you need to pack up your bags and change locations. You need to move from stinking thinking. You need to move from the place of not enough. Need to move from I'll never be enough. Need to move from I can't forget. Need to move from, oh my gosh, this land is eating me up. And move to the land of location, location, location. Pick up your things. Get in your spiritual car. Drive yourself to where God said is heaven on earth. And when we do that, we will receive all that God has for us. Have you ever felt so empty you think you'll never get filled? Well, why? Because you're not filled. Have you ever been so hungry? You think, I was in, in Africa one time with my husband and, and we hadn't eaten and it had been a little bit ridiculous. And I thought, okay, all right, let's think this through. And there was nothing for food. So we finally said to the young man that we were with, you got to give us some kind of food. And he said, okay, I'll do my best. And he came back, came back a couple hours later. Now I think about this. I'm so grateful I'm not dead. So he came back with a little thing that was kind of that big, and it looked like shoe leather. And he put it on one plate, and we were supposed to split it. And Richard said, Mavula, what is this? He said, do you remember what he said? Some kind of meat. I said, what is it? He said, I don't know. And we ate it. And we were so hungry that we would have eaten just about anything right then. But that's not how God planned it. Richard wanted a Dr. Pepper. And I wanted pasta. Simple as that. But God said, I'm the one that built the land flowing with milk and honey. I'm the one that built the garden. And I'm the one that can bring heaven on earth. In fact, I already did. And now it's up to you to get in your car and spiritually change location, 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 and get into the place where you are living heaven on earth. Oh, well, I can't do that. I'm too proud. I, I'm too poor and humble. You are proud in your humility about how proud you are that you're humble. And that's just pride in reverse, but it's still pride. 
So what do you do? You change locations. And it all starts right here. The Bible says, Isaiah 26.3, God keeps you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed in him. Heart fixer and mind regulator. Somebody said to me one time, that's just mind control. I said, yes, you finally got it. We are to take control of our mind, our will, and our emotions. If that's just mind control, you finally got my message. Yes, it's mind control. And I'm not giving it to the devil's kind of mind control, because imagine that one. But I'm telling you, we have a Bible right to renew our mind daily with the Word of God. We have the mind of Christ, and we have the Bible authority, in fact, command, to take control of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Bless the Lord, Psalm 106, or Psalm 103, 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is on the inside. And when we do it all on the inside, it manifests on the outside. We do not live outside in. We live inside out. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Then he repeats it. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Sometimes we need it repeated. And forget not all his benefits. You see, we think we're too poor and humble to have his benefits. Well, go ahead, Miss Shears, give them to me. I'll take them. So he said he forgives all your iniquities. Oh, I can take that one. I'm a sinner saved by grace. He heals all your diseases. Okay, I'll take that one too. Then he said he crowned you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies your mouth with such good things that your youth is renewed like eagles and you get to look like Nancy Dufresne. My <laughs> Lord, come on. I knew Nancy Miss Oklahoma and then she goes up to Miss America and she still looks like it. She still can put on the crown and sit down and people would say, oh, that's Miss Oklahoma and they call me miscellaneous, right? It's the truth. Look at the woman. I mean, when God was pouring it out, he said, oh, let's double. Seriously. And yet, and she sings, and she's music performance. And then they <laughs> I love her so much that I could hate her. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> the more you get to know her, the more you realize how much God has blessed her. Why? This woman walks and talks and thinks and sleeps and eats and breathes the Holy Spirit from the inside and it manifests out. Just take a look. Her youth obviously is renewed like the eagles. Why? Because she's always blessing the Lord with everything within her. We have a Bible right to bless the Lord. And then when we think about that, if you don't bless the Lord with your mind, your will, and your emotions, you will get wrong direction. We can call it stinking thinking, but the truth of the matter is you get wrong directions and you will end up in the wrong location. That's all there is, Richard. And I had this GPS thing on. We we're actually, it's funny now. It wasn't funny then. We were coming back from Kenneth Copeland. Remember I told you all the stories about the tires blowing out? We still had our tires, but we were nowhere. So we, we left Kenneth. This was so not smart. We left Kenneth's and of course it was dark. So, you know when you think you know more than the GPS? But, you know, when the GPS is always wrong? So you think, oh, I can do this? So we ended up on this dirt road, and the only thing out there were raccoons. And I said to Richard, you know, I think this is wrong. I'm not positive. There are no roads. There are no signs. There's no lights. There's no streets. And there's a bunch of raccoons. 
chances are the GPS was wrong and we had to get our way out. I'm praying in tongues. He said, Lindsay, it'll be all right. Well, sure, if I want to eat raccoon and sit on it with me, just beachy, but we're lost. And the truth of the matter is, sometimes we follow the wrong GPS for the right reasons, and we think the GPS is smart when the GPS is strictly a GPS, which means it's subject to goofing up. We follow the wrong people, maybe even for the right reasons, and their GPS sounds good, and it looks good, and you may end up in a gravel road, and then the road ends, and the only thing there is about six raccoons looking at you like, you missed this one, buddy. And the raccoons were smarter than us. We don't want to get on the wrong direction because if you get the wrong instruction, you will end up on the wrong road. It's that simple. So God tells us that we need to get back to the land of milk and honey. We need to get back to the promised land. We need to get back to Canaan. We need to get back to the garden, but not physically. It's not there. It wasn't built physically. It was built by God and he's still around. And he hasn't lost one bit of power to build things in us and through us. Mark 3, I said the word build, Mark 3, 27. And it says this, if you bind the strong man, you'll spoil his house. Too many times, oh, I can't have that because, you know, Jesus wants me to eat dirt. Okay, so you go ahead and eat dirt. And then while you're eating dirt, nobody is being blessed. You haven't got any seed to sow into the kingdom. The kingdom can't get on whatever, whether it's television, satellite, or send somebody to Africa or Egypt or wherever you're going. And then what happens? Well, they're stopped because you stopped the chain of blessing because you were just too busy being so humble. I told you yesterday, humility and poverty are not synonymous in the, in the dictionary. And what we have to find out is what is God's promised land for us. Get it in the Bible, bind the strong man and spoil his house. I don't know about you, but I like my house not to be spoiled. It doesn't matter if you're in a big house, a small house, you want a bigger house, you want a smaller house. Listen, I had my kids, they're all grown. And the last thing I want to do right now is scrub floors over and over and over for people who are not in my house. I am scrubbing floors for the walls to look at the floors. I want to scale it down. You may want to scale it up. It doesn't matter. Whatever is promised land to you, you have to believe God's promise to get in the promised land. Sometimes the promised land is getting your bills paid, getting your student loans paid. Sometimes the promised land is going to another country. Sometimes the promised land is just having enough month at the end of your money where you paid all your bills. Well, God wants you to change locations and do exceedingly abundantly far above anything we dare ask or think. But if you are are not willing to bind the strong man by tradition, by religiosity, by anything else that comes along. I had one guy say to me, well, Christians can prosper, but only if you're a Christian businessman, not if you're a pastor. And I said, you do understand the Old Testament where you're supposed to rule and reign, and Abraham was not a Christian businessman. David was shooting blades of grass with a single stone, and, and David had a kingdom, and Solomon was the, wait, oh, wait a minute, Richest, wisest man on earth. And David was a man after God's own heart. So I said, I, I don't know where your traditions have gotten you into this thinking, but I'm not going to listen to you. Oh man, that didn't go over well, but I didn't care. So it says Proverbs, obviously, right? 
Proverbs 4, 23 through 27 says, don't be conformed to the traditions of the world. Shall the traditions of man make the word of God to no effect? Do not be, trans do not be conformed. You know what the word conformed means? Shoved in a box. <sighs> May God help the person who thinks they're going to shove me in a box and tell me that the Bible's not the Bible. I am not going to be conformed by the things of this world. And then it says, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh my goodness, be transformed. We need to become a transformer. You know those little things that the kids get in their lunch? Some of those are spooky. I wouldn't want to give them to my kids in their lunch. But the truth of the matter is they're sitting here going, oh, and they look so sweet. But don't kid yourself. You do all this stuff to them and they're ready for battle. Well, you start knocking me around and I tell you what, don't be ugly because mama's claws will come out. Don't go after my babies. You don't want to deal with me on that. We don't need to be conformed in a box. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind with the word of God. Now, Here's where it gets ugly. When you go and you look at a courtroom or you look at a law office, I went to law school, you look at certain things like that. They have a woman that is standing. There's usually a little podium under it. And she's got a blindfold on. She's holding her hand out like this. And underneath her hand, there are two trays, a tray here and a tray here. It's called the scales of justice. And if something is out of balance, it's injustice. If it's out of balance here, it's injustice. God does not want us operating out of balance. He wants us in balance. Why? Because God said, I hate. He doesn't use that word very often in the Bible. But he said, I hate injustice. I am a God of justice. Now, when we talk about justice, we also have to talk about justice is 25 times in the Bible, vengeance 39 times in the Bible. When you talk about justice, you have to talk about vengeance. What is this woman saying? Vengeance, Romans 12, 19, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Now we get into our walk in love. You better walk in love. God is love. That means you're walking in God. But you get into a mentality, oh, I can't do that. I have to, I have to be a peacemaker. Do you know that one definition of peace is destroying the stronghold that creates the chaos? You allow that stronghold to create the chaos, you allow the strong man to build the house and he'll move in. So what happens is in our passive Christianity, when much of Christianity is an active verb and an action verb, in our passive Christianity, we have allowed the scales of justice to tip so far, they're about to tip over. Oh, I can't have that. It's too nice for me. I can't have that. I'm too old. I can't do that. I'm too young. I can't eat that. I can't do this. I can't do that. Oh, what if somebody says, honey, they're saying it already. So what if, what if you are now conformed to the things of the world and you cannot be transformed because you are conformed in a box of thinking the way the world thinks. So therefore you're thinking from the outside in and God can only transform you from the inside out. So with the recompense of reward, God sent vengeance is mine. Now I want you to study this word. I'm going to give you homework. Yesterday, I did it all. Wrote them all out and said them all. I did your homework. Today you have homework. And it's to go study Romans 12 and 19. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. 
Here is my opinion of one of the main reasons Christians are not walking out their rightful inheritance. When God said vengeance is mine, your first thought is revenge. Vengeance is not revenge. Vengeance is not hate. Vengeance is not a person taking it out on another person. In fact, if you start revenge and you start hate and you put your hands on it, you better watch your hands because God said, don't you dare touch that. But when you look at the spirit of vengeance, it means God to be your avenger. Then he said, when you make me your avenger, I will repay. That word is to repay with a recompense of reward. It means to make amends for any loss or harm you have suffered. It means to give in recognition of loss and usually an offer of money. Hebrews 11.1 1 and Hebrews 11.6, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You don't go say, God, that horrible human being did this. Take him out of the world and let me help. Yeah. Get ready to leave the world, maybe. <laughs> no, he said he's a God of avenging his people. We think of vengeance as revenge on the other guy. Not really. It is avenging God's people with a recompense of reward. But if we think, I can't touch revenge, better not. I can't touch hate. Nope, don't do it. But you better pray to God for the recompense to be recompensated for any loss, anything that the devil has stolen from you. Now, remember, I told you don't wrestle flesh and blood. Well, I can't do that because what if God kills them? Well, I'm not going to ask God to kill them. And they may go do something to themselves because they set up a spiritual chain in motion because they wouldn't change. And all they have to do is repent. If they repent, you better not touch them. It's not yours to deal with at all. You're dealing from the inside out, not the outside in. And one of the biggest things we fail to do is say, God, give me recompensation for what I've been through. Well, I don't ever want to bring that guy up. Well, I don't ever want to go to court. I don't ever, I didn't ask you to. In fact, I didn't ask you to do anything. But when God sees there has been an injustice and the scales of justice became injustice, God wants you to believe him to balance the scales with the recompensation of reward. He said, I will repay. Now we've gotten in many Christian teachings. We can't pray for that because if God repays him, there's blood on your hands. It's not about them. It's about God saying, I want to be your avenger and to make right what was wrong in your life. But if you don't study the word of God and realize that God said you could be avenged, you could have the recompense of reward, and he would recompensate you for any loss that you suffered, and you don't realize that that scripture is not an evil verse, but the scripture is a good verse. Can I have water? <clears throat> Swallowed too much than you do without. If you don't realize all the gold and silver is in the earth for you, you do without. Thank you. If you don't realize there's lunch on the table and you've already been invited, you go hungry. And the bottom line is so many times when Satan clouds our mind and clouds our thinking and hurts us so badly, we can't 
think straight and our frame of mind is stuck in a box. God wants to be your heart fixer and your mind regulator. But if you don't know it, he can't do it. And to me, the one place that you can start that will not cost you anything, it will not do anything against you, it will not be anything evil, I want you to do two things. Number one, listen to the Bee Gees. Yes, I said that, and I'm not kidding. Oh, were they ever talented? And second of all, find some duct tape. Now, I'm not telling you you have to do it, and it may just be spiritual, and you may just put it out in front of you. But I have some duct tape at home just in case. And when my words are not lined up with the word of God, sometimes my best friend is spiritual duct tape. Remember the old saying your, your family used to tell you, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. If you can't say something scriptural that is bringing healing into your situation, zip your lip and don't say anything at all. Duct tape it, baby. Stick it closed. Now, we used to, mm, and throw away the key. Listen, sometimes we got to go back to being a two-year-old and zip it. Now, I'm not saying get duct tape, and I'm not saying tape it shut and have something break out on your face. Hello. I am saying, but spiritually speaking, zip it. The Bee Gees. I think you can get healed by God, but this song has some of the best words of instruction I've ever heard in my life. Talk in everlasting words and dedicate them all to me. I will give you all my life. I'm here if you should ever need me. Words are all I have to take your heart away. You want to get to the heart of God? Zip it until your words line up with his words. And when your words line up with his words, and words are, to me, the most powerful force on the earth because God created the heavens and the earth by using his words. He said, light be and light was. And his words were attached to his spirit and his power, which is called the Ruach, wind of God. And when he said, light be, light was. Because the power of God, the presence of God, the anointing of God, the breath of God, the life of God, the Ruach, wind of God, is attached to your words. That's why he didn't say death and life are in your tongue. He said death and life are in the power, the Ruach wind of God in your tongue. So if you're sitting back, I'm doomed, I'm gloomed, I'm this, I'm that, don't be surprised when you are. You want to go around talking too beady, too bumpy, too leafy, too lumpy, don't be surprised when you end up beady, bumpy, leafy, and lumpy. Because that's what you spoke. You are a what? Self-fulfilling prophecy. God said... He's used his prophets. He never does anything until he releases it through his prophets in the earth. But you are a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you start talking and God starts anointing it and you say, I'm poor and I'll be poor some more, guess where you're going? The poor house. And I'm trying to get you to change locations. Location, location, location. Get out of the poor house. Get into the heaven on earth because God said you can't. Well, my friend said I couldn't. Well, change friends. You know, I mean, either get them redeemed, get them in the word of God, or, you know, or buy yourself a good pair of earplugs and shut it up. Because I am at the place in my life at 63 years old, I can't listen to that. When I was younger, I was a people pleaser. That was a disaster. I remember I was on television one time, and this woman had sent me a peach dress, 
And it was a maternity dress. And it, to me, it was the prettiest thing I'd ever seen in my life. So I wore it on television, and I actually, I felt really good about it. You know, I mean, here, I, I was so obedient with television that with my middle daughter, I went into labor on the air, sitting on the sofa, and 45 minutes later, live on television, I was going, <laughs> and Richard said, are you okay? Yeah, great, I'm fine. Can't you see? I'm just peachy. I'm not going to say men in a women's conference, but I'm going to think it. Okie dokie. So I said it. But the bottom line was, listen, it got so crazy that I had a baby and I went, we were on, I had a baby about four o'clock in the morning. By nine o'clock, I was on live television. What was I thinking? But you see, when you're a people pleaser, you probably do things that will not go down in the Lamb's Book of Life as the smartest thing you ever did. I had my hair and makeup done. To this day, I don't remember how I did it. I have no idea what I did to my hair and no idea where the makeup came from. But I did it because I was a people pleaser. And we, we are okay being a people pleaser as long as the people that we're pleasing are God pleasers and we're following them as they follow Christ. And that's perfectly fine. But when you find someone who wants you to be a people pleaser and they're not pleasing people and they're not pleasing God and they're not doing anything like it, you will find yourself in the wrong location, 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 location. Neil Diamond said a song, he sang a song, Money Talks. It can't sing and dance and it can't walk, but it does talk. It tells you, I'll never have enough. It tells you, you can't have that. It tells you, that's great for your neighbor. Oh, you're sowing seed, but you'll never reap a harvest. Money does talk. And it says, I ain't got enough of you. And when you sit there and you do that over and over, and if you don't redeem your, your mind daily with the word of God, you are going to be a people pleaser and not a God pleaser. You will never find your way in the Garden of Eden. You will never find your way in Canaan, the promised land. And by God, you will never find your way in heaven on earth because God can't let you in. He can't let you in with sin. He can't let you in with sorrow and with grief and all these things because Jesus came to take off your sin, your sorrow, your sickness, your grief. And he said, when you bless the Lord with your soul and all that is within you, he said he redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. And if you choose to find a place to be a worm and not take your crown, it's not God's fault. So the way to do it is to zip our lip until we are ready to spiritually take the duct tape off. And the only thing that, quote, proceeds out of our mouth is the word of God. And it may be that you're looking at a situation and in the natural, you don't see a way out. Well, by faith through faith in faith, I'm the healed of the Lord. And I remember the Lord told me one time I had a really crazy issue. It was in my stomach and the doctors couldn't figure it out. And then they were going to start, you know, removing organs and experimental this. And I'm like, uh-uh. But I wasn't getting any better. So I went home and I prayed and I said, Lord, what would you like me to do? And it sounds easy right now, but believe me, it wasn't. He said, I want you to take a sheet of paper and every day write down 450 times, I think the number was, I am healed and made complete. By the stripes that wounded Jesus, I'm healed and made completely whole. And about six times into it, I'm like, this is going to take all day. And he said, yes. And I said, well, Lord, I won't have time for anything else. And he said, yes. And I would be sitting at home. 
by the stripes, excuse me, and I wouldn't, by the stripes that wounded Jesus, I'm healed and made completely whole. Now, I didn't do it all at once because it's very time consuming. So what did I do? Guess what? I turned off the television. And then I turned off the ringer on the phone. And then while I was sitting in my car, instead of just twiddling my thumbs, you know, if I was waiting for my kids at a ball game or something, I got out my sheet of paper. And I began to focus on that scripture from the morning till the night. And I made a vow to God that I was not going to put my pencil down at night. If I had to sit up and write it another 450 times, I was not putting my head on the pillow until my pencil was finished on my sheet of paper. And I'm a diligent student. When God said do it, I did it. And I'll tell you what, I literally have no idea when I got healed. I just know I did. I don't know what day it was. I don't know what time it was. I just know I did. When we are willing and able, we eat the fruit of the land. We are willing and obedient. We're able to be obedient. Sometimes we are so willing, but you're not obedient. Sometimes you're obedient, but boy, do you go kicking and screaming. God said when you're willing and obedient, you eat the fruit of the land. So I want you to change location, location, location. I want you to know that it is okay to ask God for a recompense of reward, that he recompensates those who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder, and it means a recompensator of those who diligently seek him. If you want to stay poor and humble, stay it by yourself. I mean no disrespect, but I do not want that thinking in my mind. I don't want it in my spirit. I don't want it in my soul. I don't want it in my children. I don't want it in my husband. I don't want it in my friends. I don't want it in my future. Because the Bible is very clear, and I started this in the beginning. I want to end it with this. David was pursued. How many of you feel like you've been pursued in your life? David was overtaken. It's just too much. He was pursued and overtaken. So many times in Christianity, we're half or two-thirds. That little boy that handed me the grass, he gave it all. Jesus went to the cross. He gave it all. You sit at pursued and you sit at overtaken without realizing that's one-third and two-thirds when you have a Bible right for three-thirds, which is a whole, and it makes you W-H-O-L-E instead of a H-O-L-E. You suddenly become W-H-O-L-E because even though you've been pursued, welcome to reality. Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Even though you were overtaken, welcome to reality. Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But if you're looking back, I gotta go back to my garden life. Good luck. Because it ain't there no more. Okay, well, I, I at least have to go to Canaan. I wanna be in the land flowing with milk and honey, don't we all? But physically, it's not there. But that doesn't mean it wasn't there in the imagination of God. And if He can create a monopoly board, we can create Canaan. We can create Eden. We can go back to the garden. We can believe that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And he became the father of the faithful. When Abraham was 100, and the Bible says, Sarah was stricken. Abraham was a geezer and Sarah was stricken. And they're going to be father of many nations. In what planet? In what language? Well, the planet called God's world and the language of faith. And it says that he was not moved. Romans 4, 17. He was not moved by what he saw. 
He said he held on to the promise of God through faith and he did not waver through unbelief. And so many times when we're looking from the outside in, there is unbelief, unbelief, unbelief. And if you turn the corner, there's three more corners that are dishing out drive through unbelief. But God said, no, milk and honey, milk and honey, milk and honey. We're happy if we get up and we're not yelled at, screamed at, treated like dirt, and make enough money to get through the end of the day with 17 cents left in our pocket. And if you think that's milk and honey, don't come to my house. If you're offended by my prosperity, then you're offended by like a gadillion scriptures in the Bible. Because prosperity means a successful journey on the road of life. He said, beloved, I wish above all things that you have a successful journey on the road of life, but is in direct proportional relationship, even as your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your intellect, and your imagination prospers. So if you don't let your mind prosper, if you don't let your will prosper, I had, my kids were studying one time, and my kids were kind of like, I had, you know, my, my, one of my daughters liked getting straight A's, and they were in a school that told them that's prideful. Okay, so if you get an F, you get suspension. If you get an A, you're prideful. And C is average. Who makes the scale? Well, why is it 100% is awful? 50% is terrible. 70%, who made the numbers? By what ruler are you letting rule you? You see, God said, I don't want you to be a perfectionist. That'll give you an ulcer by eight, by eight years old in third grade. I got a B in penmanship because my teacher didn't believe in straight A's and she couldn't find anything to give me a B in. So she arbitrarily gave me a B in penmanship and I arbitrarily gave myself an ulcer. Perfection is when it's about you. They excellent spirit. That's when it's about God. So if you will ask God, to allow you excellence and let you go to the land of milk and honey. Your land of milk and honey may be a Lincoln and somebody else's may be a Toyota. I don't care. The, the thing I care about is where do you see yourself at the finish line before you ever start at start and then you believe God that there may have been some trauma. Okie dokie. There may have been some drama. We have all seen that. But you know what? Hollywood is not my standard. I imagine there's some wonderful people in Hollywood. I love Hallmark. I love Candace Cameron. Whatever she's on, I'm there. <laughs> my husband would know her voice anywhere. My sheep know my voice. They don't know the voice of a stranger. If that woman walked in the mall 3,000 feet away, he'd say, there's Candace. Why? Because Lindsay's got it on television all the time. But the truth is, I don't want to have the voice of a stranger telling me this is my ruler. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is where I'm supposed to go. This is where I'm supposed to be. Let me put it to you this way. You didn't make my crown. You cannot tell me to sit down. When my God put all the gold and silver in the earth. My God told me I could have a successful journey on the road of life. My God said he would supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My God said if I'll put my crown on and sit down, I'd be seated with Christ in heavenly places. Beyond that, when you get to be 63, some of you babies in this row right here, it'll be a while, but just trust me, you'll get there. But when you get there, you say this, I am done being a people pleaser 
and I want to be a God pleaser. And when you do, there will be no beady, bumpy, leafy, and lumpy. You'll just say, this is what God has called me to do. Get in prayer. Find out what the finish line is. Get your little self up. Get over to the start line and say, I see the finish. And now I'm going to start the finish by starting start. And get on your successful journey on the road of life. No matter what comes, it is, okay, that's trauma. Hand it to God. Oh, that's drama. Jesus covered that one. And the only thing left is, ooh, la, la total recovery. It's time for the body of Christ to have total recovery. I don't care who is in Hollywood. They are not my standard of what to wear. Dear Jesus. Some of them wear the equivalent of dental floss. Listen, it's not going to happen. Some of them get so odd in the way they dress that I think if I walked out on the street like that, I would have to have a videotape going so I could win money because the reaction would be priceless. Our standard is the word of God. It, I'm not talking to him about this, by the way. I just want to tell you I'm not. I could eat dirt and not lose weight. He gives up a couple of Dr. Peppers here and there. And he told me the other day, I lost seven pounds. You know what I said to him? Don't ever talk to me. <laughs> I texted my daughters and said, this is when you're allowed to hate your dad. <laughs> so they called him and said, Mom, what in the world are you talking about? Dad just gave up a couple Dr. Peppers a day and he's lost seven pounds. He said, we hate you, Dad. But they love him. They were only kidding. But the truth of it is, if you measure yourself by somebody else's standard, the standard ruler is going to always be skewed. You don't go by that ruler. You go by this ruler. We're not going by the outside in. We're going by the inside out. And that is the only way to have that successful journey on the road of life. I want you to put on your crown. I want you to sit down. I want you to think of God being your heart fixer and your mind regulator. I tell you, something happened today when Nancy started singing. I'm telling you, I'm, I don't know who you were, but something was breaking free in here. Something was breaking free in here. If you want to go back to the old way of living, by bye so long farewell I don't want to be next to you I love you I'll pray for you I'll bless you but I'm not going with you I have put a lot of road miles on this body I've been to countries I didn't know how to spell but I'm not going back to places where God's not going with me or God didn't take me or God didn't send me or God's not there waiting for me even if it's down at the quick trip down the street, I'm not going. I want to know where did God send me and how am I going to get there? Beyond that, I don't care because God always pays for what he orders. That simple. If we get into his ordination, we get into his provision. Anything beyond that? Listen, Psalm 1-1, don't stand in the way of sinner. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. When you do that, everything you do will prosper. Well, you're in the world. You just don't have to be of it. I know some scornful people. I know some sinners. I know some ugly people. I know some ugly people who think I am their enemy and will do anything to take me off the earth. I had one person say they'd be happy if they took me out in an ambulance. Welcome to my world. 
Okie dokie, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I will not lodge that in the frame of my mind. I want nothing to do with you. I have nothing to do with your thinking. Bless you, I'll pray for you. You're going to need it. And that's that. But it's not going to move me out of my seat of authority. I'm sticking on my crown. I'm going to sit down. And if you don't like my crown, get your own. And that's that. Because God gave that crown, that seat of authority, that seat for me. And whatever happened in the promised land, whatever happened in Cana, whatever I wish for, whatever was so good, I'm sorry it's gone, it was so bad, I wish it never happened again, doesn't matter. Because we stir up the Holy Spirit from the inside out, and God can put you in a new land of milk and honey. You just have to believe from the inside out. Stop looking at the outside in. But this is what happened to me. Oh, give it to God. Oh, it's not that easy. I know that. You live 63 years. You've got to redeem yourself from what you want to do to people. You've got to be, I, sometimes I'm the first one in the service to repent. But what happens is I have to understand I can repent. God will redeem my mind. He will redeem my time. He will redeem my finances. He will redeem the land of milk and honey. And he can do it on the moon if he has to. My God shall supply all my needs according to my riches, his riches and glory by Christ Jesus as long as I'm willing to do one thing and one thing only. Take my rightful seat, put on my crown and sit down, zip my lip. And the only thing that proceeds out of my mouth is the word of God. So I want to tell you, watch your words. You know, if I tried to weigh you today, spiritually, aren't you so glad I said that? That pause was priceless, honey. That pause was priceless. If I tried to, God talks about the weightiness of our words. If I tried to weigh you according to your words, this is the one time that you don't care where the scale goes. You just wanted to go all the way to the one side. We've got to tip the scales with our words. Your words have weight. The Bible says it is the weightiness of our words. So I want to encourage you today. To watch your words, get your duct tape, spiritually speaking, zip your lip, and let every word that proceeds out of your mouth be the word of God. And no matter what people say to you, by faith, through faith, in faith, my God shall supply. Are you crazy? No, I'm just out of my mind and into my spirit where I belong. Is that mind control? Oh, finally, praise God, I'm getting it right. And if you'll do that and watch the weightiness of your words, I believe with every fiber of my soul, you're going to start tap dancing in Eden. And then you're going to go a little further and you're going to find yourself in the land flowing with milk and honey with grapes the size of pomegranates and pomegranates the size of your head. And then you're going to say, my God, I'm in heaven on earth. So that when you do go to heaven, you just say, oh, been there, done that. And you cross over from everything Jesus brought into this earth into all the place where he bought it from. And you're not in a state of shock. But it all starts with the weightiness of your words. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that according to the word and the will of God, you will give us divine inspiration, divine revelation. You will take us from the land of nothingness into the land of milk and honey, from the land of no garden to the land of Garden of Eden. You will take us from the land of, I feel like I've been in hell for so long, the flames are getting too close, to the land of, my God, this is heaven on earth. And I thank you, Father God, that as we renew our mind daily with the word of God right now, in the name of Jesus, Father God, I am praying right now, right now, right now, right now, that people see the finish line.
that people begin to see, spiritually speaking, their finish line. Father God, give them divine revelation and inspiration of their finish line. Let them see their finish line. Right now as I'm speaking, they have the mind of Christ. They have the spirit of God. As they're seeing that in their mind's eye, they process it with their soul, their mind, will, and emotions, their intellect, their imaginations. We're made in the image of God. Father God, I don't want all these secular country, co companies to make all the bedillions of dollars. Father God, creative ideas and witty inventions was your idea. And Father God, right now, speak to your people with creative ideas and witty inventions. Let them start at the finish line right now. And then when they leave this room, let them take that finish line and start the start. Father God, I'm praying right now for God to bring re revelation. Father God, let the Amazons of the world become the Amazons of Christianity. Father God, let the Facebooks of the world become the Facebooks of Christianity. Father God, those creative ideas and witty inventions. Let, let, let somebody in this room be the next Smith Wiggles worth or Oral Roberts or whatever. Father God, as we see the finish line by faith that you're showing us in our creativity, in our intellect, in our mind's eye right now, as you're showing that to us, Father God, thank you for the finish line and help us to start it, start immediately. And along the way, let us use the weightiness of our words for all of our needs to be met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you guys for letting me be here today and bring my crown. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at defrayministries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Defray Ministries.